To all of you out there who observe, it's a great day. Actually, it's really wet out here in Chattanooga yesterday over on Main Street. We had a wall collapse on us. By the way, beautiful mountains behind me, but uh, the What the Truck logo would look better if we could throw that one up. A uh, couple orders of business before we get into it. First, if you missed it yesterday, was a special bonus episode of What the Truck. We were live from our sales and marketing summit right here. I caught up with uh, Paul Bernard Joroslowski from Freight Caviar, Boris Panov, and Mario Pangini from Stored. If you guys are on LinkedIn or social media, you know their work very well. We got deep into how to build a social account, how to get that out there, and why it's important to build You can find that on podcast video on demand now, and hopefully that can tide you over. Next week over at FreightWaves, we have a little bit of a corporate retreat going on for the beginning of the week. So MLK Day is a holiday anyway, but then Wednesday we will not have a show. So we will be back up here on Friday for you. So stick around for that. On today's show, we got some great stuff. I get to do some follow-up. I'm going to talk to uh, to the guy over at Torque, my buddy over there. I see him in the green room. I'll bring him up in just a minute. He's your CSO. They, uh, they were lovely hosts out in Albuquerque. I got to see what um, is going on in the AV space in trucking. And um, I really like the realistic approach they had to the space. We're also going to talk to Pam Simon. Manifest is coming up. Freight Tech Conference season is kicking off. You've probably seen everyone sharing their little cards out there. I'll be there. I'm doing a speaker out there at, uh, at that event. I'll be there the 31st and the 1st. If you're going to be there, let me know. I'd love to uh, at least say hi, see what we can talk about, see what we can do. We're also going to be getting into uh, e-procurement, and um, Tom Carey will be by, too, to talk about how to survive at conferences and also how to deliver the bad news. Tough market right now. You might have to deliver some bad news. Let's see what Tommy has to say. Let's tip the band, though, and we'll get all into this. Did you know that AIT publishes a global transportation market report every month? So if your business needs information about air and ocean trends, carrier updates, economic forecasts, North American trucking, and customs clearance news, you can get all that and more in an easy-to-digest overview. Best of all, it's free to download. The next edition came out already on December 7th, so go over to AITWorldwide.com and read up on it. But right now, I'm joined by Andrew Culhane. He is the CSO over at Torque. And man, I got to say, thanks for taking me out to Albuquerque. I had never been there before, and I thought the place was pretty magical. No, great to uh, great to have you out here and great to be talking again. Yeah, g- good seeing you. You know, I went out there. I actually have a picture to prove it. I was out there with their great drivers. They threw me in one of these Torque trucks. Christian, you got that picture right now you can show us? Over at Torque. Yeah, there we go. Who are the, what were those guys' names? Uh, so one on the right is, uh, is Paul. I'm not sure who you got on the left there. We have a, a big crew out there and, and constantly growing. Uh, and, and the drivers and safety conductors are such a critical part. Uh, of that of that operation, so uh, really happy that that's who you chose to uh, to get the picture with. Well, you, the thing too that you'll notice when, especially when I went over to you, and, and you guys can drop the picture now. Uh, when I went over to there, was the amount of focus that you had on safety for the uh, the team, right? I mean, everything there is. This is critical. This has to be safe. This is a a product that you want to be viable and give to the public, and there's so much concern. But I think one of the things that maybe put me a little bit at ease was how serious your team took it, even if maybe it's a little bit annoying at times, but, you know, that's the way you got to be, right? Absolutely. Look, you know, I think if you look at our safety organization, whether it's our, our fleet operations side, whether it's our engineering side, 
uh, and throughout the, the organization here at Torque, safety has always been top of mind. And so while you may say annoying, we, we think of it as absolutely necessary and critical, right? It is a privilege to operate these vehicles on public roads. It is a privilege to work with great brands like Freightliner, uh, like some of our pilot partners like Schneider that you may have seen out there. Uh, and we don't take that privilege lightly. And so when we think about operations, whether it's testing or product development, safety is always going to be that first kind of cornerstone of how we develop. So let's start at my impression, because I, I, I had a ride in the truck. And if you, I think we might have some B-roll, too, so, so people can see this truck in action. But um, you sit in, and it's, it's, it's interesting, because you know you're in this truck, and there's, you know, if you've never been in an autonomous vehicle, there's always like, okay, okay how is this going to go, you know? But you guys had two drivers in there. There's all these different cameras. There's, like, the Predator Vision sensor. You can kind of see it there if we can get that moving. Um, and you, you can see it visualize the road, but if you didn't know all of that stuff was there, if you just had your eyes closed, you would not, the only, the only notice I would have, and uh, Grayson was on this show at the beginning of the week, was like the truck is maybe a little bit overly polite. Yeah, absolutely, right, is uh, the way we always say it is we want that truck to drive like the best CDL driver on their best day, you know, after their best night of sleep and best cup of coffee. Uh, and that includes being patient and courteous and looking and seeing further ahead. And those are all critical elements to ultimately bringing that safe self-driving truck to market. You know, and you see the tech and you go, oh man, this is this really is a truck. This really is driving itself. But there's also like, there's two safety drivers here. There's a lot, there's a long road to go ahead. Where is the state of AV right now for people who are considering this as an option? How should they be viewing this space right now? Yeah, so from our perspective, you know, we have our, our view and our roadmap. You know, obviously, the way I would tell people to look at this industry is we're all figuring out right now, what are those last long poles in the tent to make this possible? And when I say make possible, I don't just mean give the next cool demo. Uh, and I'm glad you had a great demo experience. Uh, but that really is just one step in the journey to getting these trucks on the road in a scalable, you know, consumer, you know, consumable format. And so, you know, we are at that point, and, and I'd say us and all of the other leaders in this industry uh, are really at that point of figuring out what are those last long poles? What is it going to take to actually take that driver out and do it in a safe way? And we're really on that, I'll say, long march. Uh, you know, actually hit a, hit a unique personal milestone. I just hit 15 years at Torque, and so 15 wow. years in this industry, and realizing that, you know, there is no quick take the driver out. There is no quick version of safety, and that safety starts all the way down at the chassis, all the way up through the sensors, the software, the system integration, mission control, all of those things come together uh, to really bring that, that element of safety and being able to release a product in this market. Dude, that 15 years thing surprised me when you told me that when I was there, because I think when we think of this tech, right, we think of it as relatively new startups. And Torque is a name that if you weren't looking for it, you might not know. You've, you're kind of like the ducks paddling underwater. Is that, is that intentional? And why does it take 15 years to get to this stage in autonomy? How tough is this problem? It's an extremely difficult problem, you know, to, to speak on the Torque side, right, is, you know, I'm, I'm standing here in, in the, the mountains of southwest Virginia you know, we've always been sort of that, you know, I'll say more humble, really kind of focus on customer value, really believe in our partnership sort of mentality, and never really did it with a lot of hype. Uh, if you look at those, you know, previous years of Torque, it included amazing partners, right? We did a lot of work in the off-road space, and a lot of our partners really carried us through, you know, those early years of developing and finding those early applications. Uh, that includes partnerships with folks like Caterpillar and the mining and construction side. 
And so really what this journey has been about is finding the right partners, the right tech, the right market and the right timing uh, to bring something forward. And that's what we see with, with trucking now is all of those pieces are aligning. And now it's that long journey of getting it safe and releasable. You know, it's interesting because you said take the driver out of the cab and drivers out there, I I don't want to scare you, but that is one of the goals here for autonomy and some of the purposes it's going to fill. But we had an interesting conversation when I was there because there's some companies that have a different approach to the market and they're like, no, it's it's kind of like Tesla autopilot, it's human assisted autonomy and they're trying to go to market with like level two systems. And I got the impression from you, you didn't really see that as viable and that isn't the solution that carriers are actually looking for. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's, you know, in a space as as complicated as freight, there, there's always going to be a lot of opportunities for solutions out there. From the torque perspective, though, as it relates to to the cost associated with a level four ready truck, so level four meaning driver is able to be out of the cab or fully disengaged from the driving task with no expectation of taking over. Uh, you need to have that driver out to make the economics work. Uh, that's not to say there's not a ton of things drivers will need to do in this overall freight journey. And Torque is really only focused on that middle mile long haul aspect. And so, you know, from our view, you know, level four really has to have a driver out because we're adding more sensors, more computing power, a redundant chassis, and those additional costs have to be offset somewhere. Uh, and although we think you could offset that some with additional productivity, uh, ultimately taking that driver out of the middle mile adds capacity, but also better utilizes the existing drivers and fleets to focus either on specialty freight or on regional routes other aspects. And that's not even talking about drivers that would be involved with things like mission control uh, so that we have a, a little bit better opportunity to, to utilize those drivers throughout the freight journey. You know, at some point, all of these companies are going to have to find an OAM one way or another. You've already solved that issue. You're already ahead of it. Your parents, Daimler, pretty big company. What is Daimler's interest in this space right now? You know, our, our interest and Daimler's interest from the day we met, you know, as, as we said, there are our majority, uh, a majority shareholder have been aligned. And it's about empowering those that are experts in the space uh, to do their job better. And that better is safe, uh, more safe, more safety involved, uh, better efficiency, more predictability. And so together, we really want to make sure we're empowering both of our customers, you know, your large fleets, your large carriers to, to utilize this technology. And so we have that common interest uh, in really helping provide that extra capacity and as you mentioned, you know, in our view, we have the best OEM partner out there uh, here in North America, right? Freightliner for that long haul over the road is such a strong player. Uh, we're extremely fortunate uh, to have them as a partner. You know, you are not a company that's out there saying, yep, 2023, 2024. You're not saying next year. You know, it's a big problem to solve. When do you think that that driver out of the cab, a viable trucks autonomy that carriers can really consider outside of that piloting? Because I'm sure this year we're going to, I mean, this decade, we'll see a lot of piloting. But where do you see that sort of viable road? Yeah, so we absolutely believe that this will be at scale before the end of the decade. Uh, you know, is that driver out in 25 or 27, I think, to be determined. I think ultimately that's on us to make sure that we figure out, again, how to do it safely, how to do it scalably, uh, and not just put on, as I said, not just put on the next great demo or try to get the next great headline. You know, we understand that folks in this industry need real solutions, uh, not press releases. And so we want to make sure that, you know, as we're working with our partners, with our Autonomous Advisory Council, you know, we're being realistic with those timelines, but also understanding what matters at commercial launch, right? Running 300 miles with a driver out, I don't think really gets the, the needle moved versus having a scalable product that can really be 
built into the existing freight networks and provide that additional value. Interesting. Well, I, I like to hear it. People who want to follow this journey, they have a deep interest in autonomy and maybe they're considering this as an option in the future. Where should I send them to? Uh, first, I always send them, send them to the Torque website. Uh, you know, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you know, we try to be pretty accessible in this industry. Uh, our new CEO will be at Manifest as well, as that's one of your upcoming topics. So oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're pretty easy to connect with, uh, but certainly check us out on all the, uh, all the usual social channels and the website. Very cool. Hey, thank you for your time today. And I hope to get back out to Albuquerque. I, I really liked it. I want to drive all around New Mexico. It's such a lot of times you go on these trips, right? And everything is sort of like, it, it just looks like strip malls and, and the topography and everything looks exactly the same. There was something really, really cool. You felt like you were in a different place when you went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. I recommend it. Take it easy, sir. Absolutely. Love to have you back out. See you. Appreciate your time. Anyways. Hey, meanwhile, take a look at this uh, strap work over here like that you can fit a grain of sand in there whoever packed that thing is, uh, <laughs> whoever packed that thing's really going but I, once it starts moving i'm not sure if the momentum's gonna let that stay up there i don't know if they have a dot wherever this is taking place doesn't necessarily look safe it's definitely not an autonomous mover that took human hands to get all that stuff up there and get those straps um you think he plans for a bridge route either when you <laughs> top that high i don't know i know someone who plans quite a bit though they got a plan for the b2b and e-commerce space he has spent over 20 years doing so it's kevin kazemeyer he's the head of channel development over at trade centric and you know what kevin i'm not sure if i've spoken to someone from trade centric before so pleased to meet you and uh your company as well Hey, great to meet you, and thanks for uh, having me on the show today. You know, interesting. Tell us a little bit about that back. I was looking at twenty years, and you had some. You have had some interesting stays. You've uh, you've like handled some major accounts, like Lowe's, for example. Yeah, yeah. But you know, first, how about if I? You know, you talked about first time having trade centric or yeah. learning about it. Just to give you a little backdrop on on who we are. So, <clears throat> we're a leading provider of integration and automation between, you know supplier e-commerce systems and buyer procurement systems or spend management systems, ERPs, you know, whatever you name it, however they like to order, we connect the two. So we enable buyers and suppliers to connect and automate and scale their digital trading capabilities via our cloud platform. Well, but very cool. If you want to talk about, yeah, yeah. Well, I so talk to people. Talk I mean, companies are great, but I like to talk to people to get their perspectives <laughs> and how they come to solutions because I think that's the best way to let people understand um, where you come from. Where, where do you come from? Yeah. So as you mentioned, spent 20 years in the distribution, e-commerce, e-procurement space. And, and, you know, what I could say over 20 years is it's not easy. Right. And it, it's a lot of learning. It's a lot of understanding. And, you know, we talk about um, wanting to make businesses more consumer like. Right. And how easy it is to just walk up and buy from any consumer website. Well, businesses are more nuanced. They're, they're, they have different financial practices that they follow, and you just can't take out your credit card and call it a day, right? And so instead, you have to start looking at the different systems and technologies and, and the way they, they capture information and requirements from a customer side to be able to find ways that you can serve your customer through integrating your systems into their systems. That's cool. But like, what are some of the biggest problems in like, what are the problems that your customers actually face? And like, what, what is rankling people right now in e-procurement and e-commerce? What's the issue? 
Well, so great question. And I know on one of your previous podcasts, you don't like this word, so I won't use the D <laughs> word, but basically there's been challenges in the supply chain, right? And many buyers out there have to diversify and they're trying to determine, you know, A, in, are my supplies going to come? When are they going to come? How are they going to come? And, you know, as, as much information as possible. And, and it isn't even on a shelf somewhere. So buyers are looking to have all this information at their fingertips. Their procurement systems allow them the opportunity to do that. On the flip side, the suppliers Backend systems have never been fully capable to support that because they didn't have that outbound integration capabilities. And kind of that's what we bring in into the process here is we allow those suppliers to start making their supply chain visible, making their inventory visible, bringing things up front and surfacing them to the buyer at the time of purchase so that they can make an intelligent purchase or better yet, after they make the purchase, find out when it's going to be delivered. Because, you know, I could be operating in in one department in a location, but somebody else is managing the dock. Yeah, and you know we we may not communicate, but if we're connected on the same system, and my supplier is providing me advanced ship notifications and delivery details, then that dock can know when to expect that delivery, and they know exactly when it's going to be coming. So again, that's so some of those information, the documents that we help enable and we help uh, support from from the buyer side. So. You know, a lot of shippers got lashed with the bullwhip last year, you know, scorched across the back, bloody and broken with too much inventory. Your phone must have been ringing off the hook. Uh, yeah, I tell you, you know, it's interesting because everybody used to take the approach of I could just throw people at it and, you know, I can talk to my customer. They, they're fine. And when you have to make that face-to-face conversation or you have to have that phone conversation and you're saying to them, I'm not sure I have that product or, hey, I'm not sure where the truck is. Uh, it becomes more difficult. But now if you could tell your customer, hey, at any time you could see, so you can plan ahead. You know, you know that you have an upcoming um, big event that you're attending and you need to make sure that you have the supplies on hand. Well, why not tap into my system today to see if I have the inventory available? Go ahead and plan for that and place that order today, right? So now you're you're avoiding a lot of those difficult conversations that that you maybe have have had or were having in the past, right? Well, I mean, look, there's so much news about layoffs happening right now, and you'll see in earnings reports and in these layoffs reports, everyone talking about bringing in automation. We're cutting 20% because we're bringing in automation. How vital is automation becoming in e-commerce and e-procurement? And I got to imagine it's going to accelerate very fast in 2023. It's actually, it's an unfortunate part of like a, a downturn in the economy is that everybody's always looking to outsource and looking to bring in ways to automate and, and, and find ways to reduce. And the good part is automation allows you to do that and allows you to, you know, save a lot of the time and effort around order entry, around reconciliation, around matching, a lot of the, the menial tasks that you would have to throw many bodies at. And now you take those bodies and you reallocate them to more productive tasks, right? So now instead of saying, where do I have to cut? Now you end up saying, where do I kind of reallocate? Where can I move resources around? Because I've now automated and I've driven daily tasks that were causing me a lot of time and effort. And I've now made them easy. Wow. Well, interesting. You know, you have had 20 years of experience. I don't always get to talk to someone who's such a cornucopia of knowledge. So answer a question for me. What is the hardest lesson that you learned in B2B and e-commerce? Um, it's not one size fits all. 
right? And and really, it's for any suppliers out there, B2B suppliers, it's really get up and learn and understand your customer. Understand their, their business processes and their buying processes, because when you can start to match like for like, then you can find synergies and you find ways to have a satisfied customer. But if you try to take that one size fits all approach, you're probably going to only hit about 10% of your customer base. That was kind of impersonal, Kevin. Do you have like a personal lesson? Do you struggle you went through, man? Give me some blood here. <laughs> um, I, for me, I, you talk about my background, three different major distribution companies and a retailer. And I could tell you that every day it felt like Groundhog Day. And since it's coming up yeah. in February, I kept hearing Sonny and Cher singing in the background for like the first couple of months because it was like, didn't we just go through this already? Didn't we just, you know, do the same thing at this company? And, you know, that that's kind of was sometimes my nightmare was I felt like I was living the same event every new supplier I went to because for every new supplier, it was their first time ever doing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I know. With so much shift in help, too, it always seems like you're just like retraining people constantly. That's why I hate the managerial aspect of jobs. <laughs> hey, Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show today. If people want to learn more about TradeCentric, they want to connect with you. Where do I send them to? Yeah, they can hit me up on LinkedIn or definitely come to TradeCentric.com. And, and we have a lot of great content out there to learn more about how we connect buyers and suppliers. And Very thanks cool. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. Well, hey, everybody, conference season is kicking off. Freight Tech is taking center stage in leave in Viva Las Vegas. We got a little preview here to show you what's going to go down at Manifest. Roll that tape. What can you expect from Manifest 2023? Networking, unprecedented access to one-on-one -on -one meetings with the most senior global audience of logistics, transportation, and supply chain leaders and investors. Thought leadership, hear from over 250 decision makers actually responsible for the way the world moves and the innovators fueling change. Technology, an innovation alley showcasing everything from autonomous trucks to robotics to drones. And it wouldn't be Vegas without a little fun. The future of logistics is here. January 31st through February 2nd, only at Caesars Forum. And right now we're joined by Pam Simon. She is the one who is putting Manifest together. Pam, I was, you know, last year there was that big COVID surge that happened around Christmas. And I know that like it kind of kept some people back. I was, I was one of them because I got sick myself and I wanted to go so bad. And I saw all the pictures online. I saw people at, at the concerts and the puppy thing. I saw Blythe picking up puppies and petting their little heads. And I was like, man, there is no way I'm not making it to the next one. I think like right after the event, I emailed you and I'm like, I need to speak next year. How did Manifest come together in the first place? Um, yes, I'm very excited for this year's show. Um, so Manifest um, was actually the future of logistics show I had started in 2019 and, and I'm sorry, in 2017 and Connective acquired the series in 2019. So what was future of logistics tech has now grown to Manifest, which is a much larger scale. And we have we're the only industry event that's covering the entire scope of supply chain. So from maritime through last mile and within the four walls, focused on the technology and innovation that's shaping and disrupting our industry. 
Uh, well, we, I mean, we we may do that too, Pam, at, at F3 or some of our shows around here. But I think you guys do a great job. And I think when you started your direction on, on these look of things, I think we were, we're sort of like, there's a little bit of kinship here. I think we both were seeing the same things in the market in that logistics conferences were boring as hell. They were dry as hell. Everything was just overhead fluorescent lighting and everyone looked terrible and it was stale danishes and it was crappy coffee and it was nobody interesting and it was always the same people and it was no new tech and it felt so dead. And I like, I remember going to a few of those in my 20s and I was like, this needs to change. Then the freight waves of the world came around and you guys came around. Is that what you were seeing too? You're like, let's make a mainstream conference. Why don't we make this cool? Yeah, I mean, it's it's also about bringing the entire ecosystem together. So from investors to startups to the incumbents to shippers and BCOs, really bringing all the right pieces of the puzzle together. And then I completely agree. I think the best way to build and strengthen a relationship is through shared, unique experiences. So my team has done an amazing job of creating these very interesting, innovative activations where you're able to connect and have these unbelievable experiences. Um, as you pointed out, yes, the puppies will be back. Um, thanks to Geodis, there will also be Rosé All Day from Rody. There's a beer garden from OneRail. Datamatics has a co-working lounge, MasterCard with a coffee bar, and uh, lots of other big surprises to come. Is it sure Katy Perry's playing? No, we have Nelly. <laughs> oh, Nelly, okay. All right, well, I, can we get Katy Perry next year? <laughs> I can look into that for you. <laughs> how do you go? How do you go about when your your thoughts on this? Right, you these you probably started playing this the second the last one ended. What what was your thought and the idea of what twenty twenty three is going to be and what's it going to be about? Well, this year we didn't have the issues of being in the middle of the Omicron wave, which definitely had an impact on things. I think as soon as travel bans were lifted. Uh, we, we saw a huge influx of, of folks that are really excited to get on board and join us from a more global perspective. So we do have uh, executives attending from over 30 different countries. Um, and, and we do start on the process right away. So it does take a full year to bring this full experience of Manifest to life. Well, I mean, aside from myself, who are some of the speakers you'll be having at this uh, great event? We have an incredible lineup of speakers from executives from Lando Lakes, Vitamin Shop, HelloFresh, Mattel, Viho, Walmart. Uh, we have Ramona Hood from uh, FedEx Custom Critical, uh, Lorianne LaRocco from NBC, Jackie Strum from Intel. Um, it's, we really, we're covering the gamut when it comes to autonomous vehicles, to drones, to robotics, really all of the leaders and innovators in those spaces. So you probably have a pretty good idea of what's going to be out there on the floor, on the, on the showroom floor. And I'm excited to get my hands dirty and take some pictures with stuff. What, are, what do you think is going to be one of the coolest things that we'll see on the floor? I mean, everything's cool, honestly. Yeah. I, we, I, just, I just got off our meeting where our ops team was showing us the different activations that we have set up. And everything looks amazing. Like I haven't seen some of these things before. Uh, this year there will be an arcade, which Ooh. is quite cool. Uh, yes. Um, and a variety of, uh, I don't know about that okay. actually. I, I haven't edited the games yet, to be honest. Um, but believe me, I, I plan on it and I hope it's on there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. What are you, you Chun-Li? Kind of a Ken guy of myself. <laughs> 
So I, I like I. You must have put the media list out too, or with like the contacts on there, because R.I.P. My inbox. There are so many people coming to this thing, and it's just like nonstop. Hey, we're going to be here. We're going to be here. We're going to be here. Come meet. And I'm like, I got. It's gotten to the point now where I'm like, you know what? I'll just I'll be out there on the floor. Here's my cell phone number. I can't just be making appointments all day. But it's so exciting, and there's so much energy around that one. Is that the same feedback you're getting? A lot of people are just really excited to get out there this year. People are really excited to get out there and there will be a lot of major announcements that are going to be taking place on stage. So there's big live announcements that will be on stage. There will be live demos and product unveilings. Um, so there will be a lot of news that is going to come out of this show and a lot of new partnerships that were established during last year's show that are now coming to full fruition at this year's show. So we'll be able to talk about those as well. I mean, this is one of those type of FOMO events. So you don't go, you're going to feel left out like I did last year. So for those who want to go, like, where, how do you go? Is Are there still tickets? Um, are there still hotel rooms? So there's still tickets. Um, please go to our website, go follow us on LinkedIn. And once you, once you register, you'll be able to download our app. It's super easy to schedule meetings, connect with people, and engage for once you're at the show. Um, so definitely... Download the app, get your tickets. The show is in two and a half weeks. Um, I would say book your hotel as soon as possible because we've been continuously selling out of rooms, so good problems to have. Um, but please book your hotel, book your tickets, and join us January 31st to February 2nd at Caesars Forum in Las Vegas. I was going to ask you what the best thing to do over at Caesars Forum is, but then I remembered I've done plenty of these conferences on the organizational side, and you don't get to go and do anything. You're busy making sure the whole event doesn't set on fire, and you're talking to everybody. You don't really have a, a chance to go out there and, and co-mingle as much as, as you think you would like. It's, it can be very stressful. I know exactly the seat that you're sitting on, but I can't wait to get out there. I know a lot of people want to come. If you're not coming... Come, it's going to be a good time. There's so many people here this year. And one of the great things I like about the freight tech community over sort of the old, crusty, like regular, just general freight community is you get a younger, more excited crowd who's really interested in working together to bring new ideas to fruition. And if you're on the sales side, that sounds great too, doesn't it? Because these are people who want to make things happen. It's going to be a year where people are looking for tech. They're looking towards automation. They're looking to get leaner. You're going to have a good time. Um, anything we didn't mention here? Any, any surprises? Anything we can tease our listeners with? Well, I can't share the big announcements just yet, but I will say, you know, the first day of the show will be split into three symposiums. So intelligent infrastructure, maritime, and sustainability. We have ports from all across the world that we'll be bringing together to talk about what's happening on the maritime side. So definitely make sure you get in early. Uh, there's a lot of content that you won't want to miss. We also have an innovation stage where we have startups from all over the world that will be demoing and launching different products. Our women's luncheon was such a success last year that it's coming back again. DHL and Daimler Truck America are um, sponsoring it and we'll have the um, DHL's president of packaging and MIT's women in supply chain discussing how you can bring more diversity and innovation into your company. No, Daimler's everywhere. Torque was on the show just before you. And actually, Andrew was telling me that Torque will be at the event as well. So if you want to see uh, some of their <laughs> offerings definitely come down, too. Hey, Pam, thank you so much for your time. I'll see you in Vegas thanks. in a, f a few short weeks now. It's like, what, 17, 18 days. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to seeing you in person very soon. Take it easy. Take care.
All right, we got to tip the band one more time here. Do you remember we mentioned AIT's Global Transportation Market Report earlier in the show? Capacity and pricing trends, air, ocean, and trucking, economic insight, extra cetera. Well, what do you do once you have that useful data analysis? You don't sit on your hands. You turn it into action. Partner with AIT's global network of subject matter experts as they'll design a supply chain solution tailored to your needs. Get started today at AITWorldwide.com. All right, now one of the most talented men in freight is Tom Curry at Kingsgate Logistics. Tommy boy, what is up, man? Hey, I'm doing great, my friend. How are you? You ever tried to shoot bees with a gun before? You can't hit them with the bullets. Uh, you know, <laughs> shooting bees is not really uh, in my forte. I'm, I'm skilled, but man, I'm not that good. I'm not that good. Dude, am I going to see you at Manifest? Are you there in a couple weeks? You know what? I am actually, I'm, I'm already feeling the FOMO. Um, I didn't go. go last year. I know, I know. But here's the problem. I got like 12 conferences coming up the first half of this year. And I'm like, uh, you know how it is. You know how the conference circuit is. I mean, you always carve a little time out for me, which I appreciate. Yeah, but it's tough, man. It's tough. We we still got to make the magic happen here at the office. You know what I mean? Same here. Like I do a show on air. So for me, it's really disruptive to go to conferences because uh, I have to worry about remote stuff like that. And you got to worry about people paying oh, for all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier just to sit at this desk and go out once in a while. That's why I only I only go to a few a year. I go to the Freightways one this year. I'm doing Manifest. Um, if someone maybe is like courts me or something, I might come out to something, but I'm really not going out of my way this year. Cause you know, I can talk to you. Like the, I consider what the truck a conference. I can talk to the people who I want whenever yeah. I want on this show. That's the whole idea of it. Now you put a post beautiful. on, it is beautiful. Well, you're beautiful. By the way, I liked your Christmas video. Yeah. I haven't, I hadn't had a chance to thank you. That show got like really cramped and I thank everyone who sent in videos, but I wasn't able to have everyone live and you sent that awesome video. in. so, uh, I appreciate them every year. Oh. It was great to do it. My daughter crushed the artist work on it. She's she's a beast. She and really, so I, we, we had a lot of fun doing it. I appreciate how thin she made me. She took at least like 50 pounds <laughs> off me, and I really, really appreciate it. I'll take it. I'll take it. You know, you put a post on, like, it's it's tough times right now. People are angsty. You're starting to, you know, you're, the, you're starting to hear the, the brokers and truckers starting to go at each other. The shippers are going at each other. Shippers revenge. There's a lot of issues. You put a post out here that said your customers deserve honesty, right? Unlinked. Your customers deserve honesty. Yeah. And one of the, th- there's a lot of fear a lot of times when you're a rep. You don't want to tell them that there's a problem. You're afraid you'll lose the account. But your opinion is you got to be transparent. You got to tell people what's going on. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, we, you know, at, at Kingsgate, you know, we, we, we believe in highest integrity. It's kind of one of our core values here. And, you know, I, I learned so much, you know, I'm, I'm a, father of four kids, you know, and you know, when you have children, it changes your perspective on everything that you do. And a, a lot of times I'm honestly saying to my kids, just, just tell me what happened. I, I, I don't care about why you did it. I don't care about all these other things. Just, just explain to me what happened and just be honest with me. If you can be honest with me, I can do a whole lot to help resolve this issue. But if you're not going to be honest with me, I can't help. And, you know, we, we have, you know, in my, I've been in this industry for nearly 20 years and in doing that, truly understanding how valuable it is just to be able to have an honest conversation. I can remember it's probably it's probably been about a year and a half ago. We had a, a rogue situation uh, with product. Uh, the customer said the product wasn't there. We had a signed BOL that said it actually had been delivered um, from the actual shipper. And, you know, I was on the phone. It was a Friday night. It was about seven o'clock at night. And we're going back and forth trying to figure it out. And and we're just being transparent with each other to just really try to figure out what happened, what's going on. So much so that the shipper said, hey, hang on a minute. I think I still have that seal. 
and I I heard him jump into a dumpster to start digging around for the seal. And, uh, you know, that, that level of, of, uh, relationship to be honest enough to say, Hey, I'm, I'm jumping in a dumpster right now to try to figure this out. You know, we were able to do that because we were just trying to figure it out together. Things are going to go wrong. Right. Um, and that's what I tell my kids. Things are going to go wrong. Things aren't going to go. You're not going to respond the way that you wanted to, but if we can just be honest about it, we can really actually find a solution as opposed to just going back and forth about the problem. What is a good solution to that? You know, these conversations can't always uh, be easy. And there's a lot of lies told in freight uh, from the simple that the truck's just around the corner to uh, to the deep. Yeah, I really did file that customs entry. Actually, no, it's still sitting overseas at the, <laughs> the port. Not that that's ever happened to me, Tommy. <laughs> well, I think it's that foundation, right? Like you, you have to build that foundation that we're going to be transparent with each other right out of the gate. It, it, it's it, I, I often tell our team, you gotta, um, you gotta keep them with what you want them with. Right. Um, so whatever, whatever you want them with, whatever you sold them out of the gate, whatever you promised them up front, that's what you're going to have to do for the rest of that relationship. And so if you start a foundational, you know, setting the blocks and saying, look, this is how we do things. I'm, I'm not always going to tell you the best things. It's like, I, I was talking to a client yesterday and I tell him, Hey, nine times out of 10, if I'm sitting across the table from you and we're talking about business, and I don't see that I can be the hero for you. I don't want to do it because I don't I don't just want to be an OK partner. I want to be able to be a hero. I want to be able to really help you. And so setting that foundation up front to say, look, I'm going to have to call you with bad news. I'm going to have to call you with strange, obscure, obscure things that happen. But that's freight. That's what happens in freight. We understand that. We can be honest with each other about that. It doesn't mean that I did something wrong. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It means, OK, there's a problem. And we have to be committed to resolving it together as best as we possibly can. And sometimes that results in a claim and it results in deductions and it results in all those things. But I'd rather just be able to be honest up up front about it and figure out something. I mean, what's the benefit of being dishonest anyway? I mean, we're talking about physical goods here that have to arrive. Like, it's not like you're going to trick them. And it's like you lie to them. Oh, it's showing up in an hour and it shows up three days later broken. And they're going to be like, well, it's, it's fine. Tom said it's okay. I think for a lot of people, I think they they would rather tell the easy lie than deal with the honest truth. It's true. Um, and, you know, because sometimes the honest truth doesn't in, include some level of failure. Right. I mean, look, a lot of times people don't want to own it. Like I, I'm a guy. I'm going to own it. If I've done something wrong, just let me own it. Um, if my team's done something wrong, I'm going to own it. You know, I'd rather just be able to take that on and work through it than, you know, Keeping up with lies, man, I, I can't imagine trying to live a life balancing that out and trying to remember what I originally told them the issue was because now it's two days later and we still haven't resolved it. And the truck clearly isn't right around the corner at this point. Um, you know, I, I just I, I think it's sometimes feels easier for people to tell the quick lie than than to tell them the honest truth. Have you ever had any tough lessons in honesty or dishonesty? Um. I, you know, I would absolutely say that I've experienced that. Um, and, you know, it, it can be tricky because sometimes you learn that lesson on the receiving end of that lie. Um, and so, you know, that, that can be from a shipper's perspective, you know, where, you know, you kind of get dealt what you think um, your expectations are. And then it's not until it's under load that you find out, oh, yeah, by the way, there's no way they're going to receive that product. I know I told you that they would they would work you in, but come to find out they're shutting down early 
Right. Um, and so then, then you've got to, you know, then you've got to manage that with the carrier and, you know, those guys and gals that are out there, they don't deserve that. You know, they don't deserve that, that type of, uh, of communication. And so when I have to then follow up to what was probably a lie that I got out of the gate, it kind of makes me look like I'm the guy that's handing out the lie, you know? And so, um, I've, I've certainly been there more than a time or two. Now, you are anti-inbox zero and an email hater like myself. Take a look at my inbox here. I have, a, I have a picture of this. And some people are, like, shocked by it. But the reason why, like, those are just blue dots of, like, spam, uh, PR pitches I've never opened, junk, uh, I, things I had to sign up for. Um, and it's also, like, eight email accounts that I'll feed into that thing. But look at the, look at the thing next to it. What does that have? One. Because there's something I check That's all right. the time. I mean, I check my email all the time, but I don't open most of them because most of them yeah. are junk and I don't want you to know I exist. So I'm not going to click like red all um, you are super anti-email, but you're in a different position than me. And you're one that has a lot of issues that come up. Some of these client problems, how do you manage it without email? So um, I, I hate to say this. I can't completely manage it without email. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it's one of those necessary evils that happened in my life. The client I was talking to just the other day, literally I, I said that same line. I, I hate email. Um, so what we actually try to do, what we've been trying to do over the last several years is try to create connectivity outside of the email system um, within our, our platform that we manage all of our inbound logistics from. Um, we actually created um, a messaging platform that allows vendors and shippers and uh, uh, us as a provider all to be able to communicate about a PO right within the system. And the whole idea, the whole reason why we did that was because I hate email. And we would hear constant conversations about someone trying to track down what happened to a PO and where's it at and where's it at in the system. And I know I have that email somewhere and no one can find the email. Um, and so I think email is just, it, it's difficult. Um, everyone's got different archive rules um, and it's just not quick enough. Um, you know, you can be quick in email. I know you can. I know it's quite possible and there's great tools out there that will help people with that. Uh, but there is something about instant messaging, instant communication that allows you to quickly resolve an issue. And it's not just lingering out there as one of those to-do items that you're constantly looking back in your inbox. Yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, I need to do that. You know, it, the thing you got to be careful with email, too, is if you get angry and you start sending, like, curses back at the person, they get filtered nowadays. Some companies, a buddy of mine was online, he posted it. He's like, I, he sent an angry response to a carrier with a bunch of expletives in it, and he's like, wait, if they blocked it, I'm not even able to yell at them anymore. I can remember 15 years ago, I can remember being in the industry, and I remember everyone being so, be careful what you put in your email, because it can be read in court. And so I think a lot of people at that point were like, I don't want to send anything in email then, right? I don't, I don't want to read anything because I, I, I'm too, I'm nervous. I don't want to be subpoenaed. I don't want to be called out. I don't want to be, you know, and so, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's an interesting document trail, even if we can't find it half the time. Um, it's an interesting document trail that a lot of people need. But I do think there are a lot of ways to bring a lot of that communication in a quicker way. I mean, we, we have vendors and partners that actually use the same uh, um, instant messaging platform that we use just because it's easier for them and us. So they came into our platform and said, Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do all that messaging with you directly because we know that you hate email. So yeah. it's, it's fantastic. Well, you might pick up some emails or texts when you go to conferences. A lot of new people maybe go to their first one, maybe manifest will be their first show, or maybe they've gone to a conference and they, 
they didn't know how to manage it, right? And they didn't know how to get enough. They can be overwhelming. And it's the kind of thing where there can be so much that you leave with nothing, right? When you go to a conference, what have you learned over time? How do you get the most out of going to a show? Yeah, so so there's there's really five key things that I suggest when it comes to surviving a conference. The first thing is pre-trip planning, right? Um, you've got to carve out a little bit of time to really identify what do you want to do, where do you want to be, and when do you want to be there. And, and in, on top of that, be careful because I think a lot of times when you go to conferences, you feel this you know obligation to I, I've got to be at every single thing that happens. And you will absolutely fill your time from eight to five or eight to six or eight to 10, depending on what that conference looks like. And you need to actually leave a little bit of time for yourself to do things like, you know, um, having individual meetings because you're, you're going to find something that you're going to say, hey, I, I'd really like to dig in deeper. Well, you need to carve some time out for that. The other thing you need to make sure that you've got some time for taking care of things at the office. So by by spending a little time, spending a couple hours before you ever go to that conference to really kind of plan out that trip and understand what you're going to do. The other thing, uh, second thing that I always say is be at the opening session. The opening session is so important because it really helps kickstart your entire experience, not just for you, but also for the people who are actually hosting the event. Being at that opening session, having that big moment, like that's, that's, it's monumental to me to be able to be a part of that and actually really help the conference get started. I mean, you, you've been to so many of these. You understand how important that first opening moment is at a conference, right? Everyone wants the pictures in the room and it to look great. And you want that just energy to be out there. And another good thing, too, is like, then you don't have to. And like, if you don't want, then you don't got to go to anything else. It's just a secret because then you have like your one little <laughs> you talking there. point. Yeah, you just met. Oh, man, it was great what Peter Zahan said about like the globalization, what Mante Tia said, or like whatever. You know, then you have your conference talking points that you can say to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Would you say don't come with too many preconceived right. notions? Well, I, I think you, I think you need to be careful about that uh, because every conference is different, and and the conference is really driven by the people who end up attending it more than you really realize. Uh, because nine times out of ten, when you talk to people about what was so impactful about a conference, they talk about the connections more than they talk about any one given session. Now. I will say this. The third thing that I do have on my list that I always recommend is don't eat the eggs. I don't know what it is about conference eggs. I always stay away from conference eggs. I think they're all powdered. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm a guy. Look, I've got chickens at home. And so maybe I'm a little bit spoiled. I, I mean, I might be flexing a little bit on you with my egg supply right now. I don't know. You think you uh, are. But uh, be careful. You have a cartel say, show up your house. <laughs> exactly. The wolf is so, in the so henhouse with- now, Tommy. <laughs> Well, that's why I got the dog, man. You know, I got the dog just to help help me out there. Um, The other thing is, you know, make sure that your time is actionable. Um, If you're attending a conference, you know, go with two or three things that you are planning to take away, but make sure you take some special time to like look at your notes afterwards. And I, I usually say it's preferred to actually go back over your notes when you get back to the office with someone who did not attend the conference because you may have wrote down an idea and as soon as you talk to them about it, they, they're going to unpack it from a different perspective because they didn't hear that. And so I think make make sure that you actually make your time actionable by spending a little time and then follow up. Right. Um, did someone give you a great idea? Did someone help you out? Did someone uh, introduce you to a new contact? You know, take a little time. I always go through those business cards when I get back to the office, send a couple of notes, um, send a couple of LinkedIn messages and uh, and, you know, just do that follow up. And, and it really will help you 
get a lot more out of that conference experience than just saying, hey, I did I did show up and I was there and it, it was cool. You know what happens too, and this, you know, you'll, you'll be walking through the hallway, someone will approach you, they'll give you your card, you walk away, in your head, you're like, oh, I'll remember that as a fault. You meet someone else, they hand you the card. Then you get to the hotel room at night, you put all the cards there, and you're like, you remember like two of the three yeah. people? My suggestion is ask the person if they use LinkedIn. Most people do nowadays, and they hand you the card, be like, hey, I'm on there, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna send you a quick connection. Just send them the connection yes. immediately. Then you'll have their picture of their face. You'll know their role. You'll know their job. And you'll have a very easy way to contact with them, especially if you see that they're pretty active on LinkedIn. Yeah, I love that. And I'll often take a business card. And when I walk away, I'll write one or two words to help me remember if I had a conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, like when, when, when I would walk away from you, I'd write down like different beard products that you and I are using right now. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> you know? And so then I remember, okay, he's the guy with the beard. Right. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you kind of learn some of those tips of the trade as you, as you get through it and, and you, you really can do so much more if you just step up the connectivity and that's hard. I understand for some people that maybe are a little bit more introverted in that space, but you, you also want to feel like it's valuable and it's a valuable spend of your time and energy and, and expense too, right? Absolutely. Hey, Tommy, I really appreciate it. When's the, so what if you don't go to Manifest, when is the next time we'll be able to see you out in an event? Um, well, I can guarantee you that I will be at the TIA conference in April. And so if you're not going to be there, you're certainly going to want to be there. It's going to be a great time. I'll actually be doing a session um, on uh, technology, nuts and bolts, and kind of unpacking how do you build out your technology platform and, and a strategy for your company. So would love to see you there. You want to watch a couple weird videos with me and good news, bad news before I close this thing down? All Let's right, guys. do it. Hit the bumper. Boom. <laughs> Hope they're okay. All right. <laughs> In this first video here, <laughs> take a look at this one. This one happened over in Coolidgedale, Tennessee. It's a truck versus a train. You guys roll that tape? Hope they got it. What's up, Christian? We got it? I can hear it in the background. I can hear it. I'll describe to you what's happening in this video as they try to get this ready. Cruz Vega is a gentleman, is a truck. Do you guys have the video? Someone talk to me. Uh, Cruz Vega is now charged for this train derailment in Coolidge, <laughs> Coolidgedale, Tennessee. Um, he's, I don't have the video. It's so much better with the video. So what happens is there's this big... Uh, there's this big semi-truck coming down. It's pulling a 137-foot concrete beam. This guy doesn't completely clear the tracks, and the train breaks right through it. We got dust and everything going anywhere, and where he really screwed... Here it is. Guys, please roll that tape. Now you understand what I'm talking about. Look at that. Oh, good night. Good night, Irene. Fortunately, no one was no one was injured here. Have you ever had to do any of these big sort of loads where you got to notify the rail or anything in advance? So, so we have had to do some of those in the past, and I'll tell you what, it can be tricky, man. But you know, someone made the call to move that truck, and you know, you can't you can't make that call. Like, what what what's going on there? I mean, someone just totally dropped the ball. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you're the captain of your ship, and you have to clear those tracks, and that's a huge, long beam. It could have helped to have an escort, but the driver didn't really do himself any favors either by not, um, not alerting anyone. Here's another driver that didn't do themselves any favors. Take a look at this video from the Ohio State Highway Patrol. You're going to see why it's just scary so far. What we're looking at is a, truck's, uh, is a police car's dash cam. There's a truck going the wrong way down the highway over there. 
What you're gonna see is you're gonna pull him over, and the officer here is gonna be giving her a little reprimand, but she's also got a special surprise behind her door. Uh, question for you though: You ever have you ever you ever driven the wrong way or had a wrong way driver come at you? So, so I have I have driven the wrong wrong way once. <laughs> Me too. Uh, downtown Cincinnati, late at night. Didn't realize. Luckily, I caught it before the traffic caught up with me. But uh, it was it was a scary moment. Once in a while, you'll see those highway turn-ins that it looks like that's how you're like the, an on-ramp, but it's actually like the yeah. in-ramp, and, you, and you're like, oh, oh wait, I'm definitely going the wrong way. Fortunately, I've never gotten well, the sign. Yeah, the sign to not do it is way back here. Okay, let's see this. Okay, look who's in our car right. Now. Look, she's got her dog with her driving the wrong way. <laughs> That's that's animal endangerment. It is animal endangerment. You know, this cop here, um, he he reprimands her. He's like, you know, you you. He sounds like he's a captain officer, obvious here. He's like, you know, driving a truck down the wrong way, you could really kill somebody. And, but the thing he doesn't do when he's talking to her is ask her why. Like, how did this happen? Was, was it a mental episode? Are you on uh, any kind of drugs? Did you just make a simple mistake and you thought you were going the wrong way, and for some reason it just never dawned on you? Oh my gosh, that is that's absurd. Especially in a in a monster like that. I mean, that could have been incredibly dangerous. Well, I mean, it was. Tom, you Tom, you live like with chickens, and you're on a farm. You ever fall into a pit of manure before? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, without you get, a doubt. Have you? No, have you really? Because look at this driver right here. This is uh, what can Brown so do for you? To this customer's house and. <laughs> I just fell into a septic tank. I think it, I don't know if they were digging it or what, but I walked by it and the ground came out underneath me. I'm like six feet down and I tried using these roots around me to get out and it just pulled more dirt on top of me. So I just called dispatch. Hopefully they're going to get the cops or the fire department here because I definitely don't want to try to climb out on my own again because like I said, the walls are kind of caving in on me. A little bit scary. Uh I mean, that's okay. That's a nightmare. First of all, that's like delivering nightmares, but Tom, how would you suggest climbing out of a septic tank? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know that there are any recommendations for that one. I mean, you got it. I don't know, man, I'm not buying this one. I'm telling you, I think that guy, yeah. I think that guy, you know, was like, Hey, I don't want to finish my route today. Oh. Took that video. And <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So, you know, I this mean, is what, are you the kind of guy who calls your drivers all the time and thinks they're lying? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I, I told you, you need to, you need to be honest. That's how we started this, right? Yeah, that's um, true. I just, you know, and you know, you know, it could be that just, just that's one of those houses that they don't leave out like snacks and stuff at the holidays. And this guy was like, Hey, I'm going to get them back. I'm not going to deliver anything. <laughs> Could be. I don't think typical Christmas, those people. Uh, if you follow a septic tank, and your delivery guy, should you do a regular phone call or should you do a FaceTime to really just prove it? Oh, I would, I would definitely do a FaceTime. There's no, I mean, even if I don't typically FaceTime anyone, I'm facing, I'm FaceTiming everybody at that point. FaceTime in the septic tank. Well, here's a, here's a good winter tip, winter driving tip. Let's play this video real quick, quick for the people. Got some audio on that. Maybe they don't have audio on here. Okay. I'll I'll pretend to be the driver. Um, so the driver's out here. He's talking about it's, it's wintertime out in the Northeast. There's ice on the road all the time. And his solution here is when you're in a stop or nothing to take these, these linking chains, these shorter links aren't like full-on tire trains. He's not saying like drive down the road. He's saying get out of the, uh, get out of the lot. What do you think, Tom? You think those a hand up? You think that's a good tip for a truck? <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to cut the mustard, man. Um, I, I don't understand how a guy's driving out there and he doesn't have chains in his truck. 
right? Yeah. I mean, it happens that's what though. You do, right? Hey, Tommy, it is. We're out of time over here. Thank you for sitting with me for a little bit. Go find Tom Curry on LinkedIn. See him out there on the conference scene and check out Kingsgate Logistics. Appreciate everything you do. Uh, thank you to my production team back here. We have a skeleton crew this week, so if there are little hiccups, um, we're sorry about that to the audience. Our guys out there are doing the best. We'll be back and kicking ass and next Friday. Find me on Twitter, add Timothy Dooner. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and video stuff. Don't be a stranger. Take care.